from Variety, celebrating more than 117 years covering the business of entertainment. This is the Award Circuit Podcast. I remember at, at the costume party, it was a, a Halloween party and being, this is like 2002, something like that, being very, just very drunk and telling you, coming up and just telling you over and over, I keep wanting to call you Dan Marino <laughs> instead <laughs> of Ken that. Marino. Yeah. And you were like, yeah. 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 And I was like, you know, because of the foot. The football yeah, player, yeah. and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I know, I know, I know, I know who that is. I mean, I know it's like, it's who, crazy. I keep wanting to do that, like and I that, kept that's my telling dad. you. But we moved past that. We got we did. We were that. able to. <laughs> Party Down stars Adam Scott and Ken Marino have been pals for two decades, even though their first meeting was a bit awkward. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Party Down stars and pals Adam Scott and Ken Marino about the comedy's unexpected revival, as well as how it originally came to be and their origin story. But first, on the Award Circuit Roundtable, we recap what has happened so far with the writer's strike and how it's already impacting Emmy season. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Well, hi, everyone. I am Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, and uh, I got with me, of course, our usual suspects, Clayton Davis. I am the Benicio del Toro of usual suspects. Absolutely. And Jazz Tanke. Hello. I am not the Benicio del Toro. No, I was like, I am not the Benicio del Toro the usual suspects. I'm the Gabriel You're the Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne of us. Yes. Listen, yeah, it's yes. been a tough week, and we lost Emily Longaretta, but we gained a Salome. Hi, Lou, Salome. Hi, everyone. I don't know who I am. Of the, I guess I'm not a usual suspect. I'm the the breakout star. <laughs> exactly. You're in the sequel. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. Oh wait, and I think let's be clear. Emily's not dead. Like she's oh, alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't lose her, loser. <laughs> she's off today. No, no. All right, Emily. She will be missed. And it's only no, Wednesday when we're happened. recording this, yeah. And no. uh, but uh, seriously, things uh, have taken a turn, and the Writers Guild of America is on strike, and we've been covering it the past couple of days, and uh, it will definitely impact a lot of things moving forward, including FYC, including uh, Emmy campaigning, but uh, also obviously uh, all facets of how we watch television and, uh, programming perhaps in the coming months. Uh, most immediately, of course, the talk shows have gone off the air. Saturday night live is not taking place on Saturday night. So, uh, that means, you know, going forward, we'll have a lot of reruns in that field, but, uh, also, as shows run out of scripts, they will shut down. There's even a question right now of will productions continue even on shows that have scripts? Because normally most of those productions have writers on hand uh, to help out if there's some quick rewrites to be had or some directions. So a lot of unanswered questions. But uh, the past couple of days, uh, it's really been a bit of sort of uh, figuring out, okay, what's next? What's going on? Uh, included on the picket lines. So Jazz, Clayton, myself, and Salome have all been out there uh, and talking to writers and, and also uh, just taking stock of what's going on. Um, so I guess Jazz and Salome take us to where you were on Tuesday when things started taking place. Where did you uh, see the writers and uh, what picket uh, lines did you uh, join in? 
Yeah, the two of us went together to um, the Netflix building in Hollywood. Um, we saw, what would you say, Jazz? Like 300 plus? 300 good, people. A solid group. And we got there right at one, which was when the Writers Guild scheduled the picket to start. They were all there very quickly, um, if not early. Um, everyone was pretty energized and pretty positive. We asked a lot of folks how they were feeling. Um, a lot of them had been in writers' rooms the day before on um, Monday, May 1st, um, kind of just anticipating what was going to happen at midnight or before midnight when the when the deal was not agreed on. Um, everybody seemed to expect it. There wasn't anybody that was surprised. Everyone kept kind of iterating, you know, we don't want to be here. We wish we didn't have to be here, but we knew we would be and we're, we're here together. Yeah, what did you find, yeah. as? No, I would say there was a lot of, there were, you know, there were a lot of emotions because people, as Salome said, people had been in the writer's room, like the Yellow Jackets crew were back in day one and they, you know, people were just optimistic that maybe at the last minute negotiations would, you know, would be, you know, would come between the two and they would settle on something as we found out it just before nine o'clock things hadn't happened. And, you know, I, as today, a time of recording, you know, those papers have come out and many writers, especially I was on, I was out there today at Netflix again, and everybody was very surprised at how far apart the negotiations actually were. And I think that's the big thing right now, the surprise of where those sticking points are. And it's not just one or two sticking points. It's a lot. Um, so, yeah, but they're still, they're energized. Yeah. They're prepared to go as long as it takes. And they're really happy with the the way the Writers Guild is actually representing them. And they feel very strong about. You yeah, know, it seems like a real cause. united yeah. front right now. Very, and, yeah. And you can, uh, you, you see it uh, so far at, at all the different picket lines. Clayton, you were on the phone with folks uh, even Monday night uh, as the news came out. What were some of the initial reactions that you were hearing? Uh, I think it was initially it was surprised that it happened that early because we were anticipating that they were going to come out at midnight, emerge from the building like a falcon and say, strike. And that didn't happen. I mean, they happened at eight o'clock, which God bless uh, our own Gene Mattis. I guess he went home maybe at a reasonable hour. Um, but it was a lot of surprise that that uh, it got there that early, and it really uh, highlighted the I don't say animosity, but there was there must have been a lot of tension in that room to then just call it at that point. I think we had all expected an extension. Uh, you know, maybe. We'll, talk for a day or two more and then see where we land but that that wasn't the case and the united front is where it's the most encouraging this is it's things like this that weirdly show the best in humanity when we don't see a lot of it very often because if anyone recalls like they had a vote to authorize the strike which got nearly 90% of people who voted voted in favor of a strike and that was 79% of WGA members that voted in that uh in that vote. So it's just a lot of engagement and I more so than ever I, I get the sense this is their one and only shot at goal to change it in their favor to a to a position where they can 
one live uh, livable income with a livable income, and they'll probably never get this shot again. It was actually the perfect storm of, you know, the economy's on fire, DJ and SAG, you're up next, and, you know, streaming is, we're all in the United uh, thoughts of, it's here to stay. Like, this isn't a temporary thing. So it's not a clause thing. We need to, like, actually define this whole uh, industry now um, where where everything lands. Right. It felt like you... th- this has been percolating for a while. And, and, and you're right in that, you know, the, a, a lot of the SAG members are feeling the same squeeze that WGA members are, particularly in the middle class, uh, the folks who felt like they could uh, sustain a living uh, in the old model. And this new model clearly... Uh, you know, it has shaken out to the point that it's it's just it's tougher to be a creative if you're not on the high end, uh, if you're not uh, you know a lister, uh, showrunner, or star, and that's the majority of people in these guilds, yeah. and it's all sort of coming to to roost now. But Salome, I'm sorry, you're going to say something. Yeah, just um, Clayton, I think it's important that you pointed out that they didn't even take until midnight, though they didn't take those extra four hours to keep negotiating and figuring out what, we could, what they could do. Um, a lot of the writers that we spoke to, at least at, ne- um, at the Netflix picket line, were it seemed like that was something that really added fuel to their fire. Um, they felt that they weren't even being listened to. They knew that, you know, if there were four more hours to the deadline of negotiating and the fact that the AMPTP decided, no, we're done, we're not reaching a deal without even trying to, within those last few hours, I think it made people really feel that they needed to band together and say, hey, these guys have no interest in listening to us. That was a sentiment that we heard a lot across the board. And I think that that is what feeds into... I mean, one is that I think if we would have heard that there was an extension, we would have been like, okay, that means they are they're making some headway. There's some <laughs> there's mm-hmm. something in sight. Um, but once they came out at eight o'clock and then they showed like what everyone was asking for and what people said no to, that has led now to which is the million dollar question. How long does this last? And it's impossible for me, and this is just me personal opinion. I don't know how this doesn't go on for a few months. And and what's the longest strike? 153 days, Mike? Right, right. Because the last one in 2007 lasted for 100 days. And the, the, the one in the 80s was 153, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, slightly longer. But... When, Mike, when Mike was a wee lad. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was not covering this business in the 80s. Um, <laughs> not that old. Yeah. But no, that, 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 that I, I would... Unless miracles happen every day, but I imagine we're going to get close to hitting that. It's yeah, it's it's tough. Ironically, I was feeling more optimistic, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, a month ago. All signs were pointed to maybe these were issues that could be worked out. So I too was shocked when I saw just how far apart both sides were. And and the, the the point is, you know, obviously talks have stopped. There are no negotiations right now, and we don't know when they're going to resume uh, because, again, the DGA negotiations are coming up and the SAG-AFTRA negotiations are coming up. So, you know, and, and attention will turn to there, which means this could last a while. As we know, the DGA and SAG-AFTRA deals are up at the end of June. Uh, so it's looking now like probably at the very least this will last through midsummer, uh, could it go beyond that? Is is a good question. Um, it is interesting because you know for a lot of shows, uh, you know, have already gone on hiatus. 
uh, for for the year, which means that uh, you know a lot of shows weren't going to be in production anyway this summer. But uh, those scripts, uh, those writers' rooms were supposed to get back to work uh, in, in recent weeks. Uh, Abbott Elementary was going back to work this week. Ghost, yeah, can we point, can we point out how this has personally affected Salome? I thought of her immediately uh, when I heard that <laughs> Abbott had their first day and then it was closed. I was like, guys. If you get Salome on board here, if she's not on board, she's, you're going to lose. Like, Abbott's affected, then none of this can happen anymore. I mean, yes, I, I like to, for the yeah. viewers at home, I like to call myself the chief Abbott Elementary correspondent for Variety. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I need those title. episodes and I need them soon. Um, but it's interesting because uh, the people people involved in Abbott have been some of the most um, vocal about the strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Brittany Nichols, who's a writer on that show. Um, their co-showrunners, Justin Halpern and Patrick Schumacher, I believe one of them, or maybe both is, um, in WGA leadership and has been yeah, very, yeah. Ju- very ju- Justin yeah. is in the negotiating committee. So right, yeah, right. he's very involved. Um, um, and it's interesting now just with how, ha- how vocal so many of these people are on social media that a lot of the viewers at home who are not attached to this business in any way, besides being a consumer kind of know what's going on and understand like, oh, my shows and the people who make the shows that I love, um, are not able to pay their rent. Yeah. And so, and so I think yeah. that what you just described, my opinion, again, I think that is the key to which side wins. Because right now, consumers, and I, we're going to call my family in this group. Like, my my family has no idea what Hollywood, like, movies, TVs, how they get made, nothing. If they know there's a strike, but they don't know why right now, it's just, it's, it's like inside baseball. If this starts percolating out and people get knowledgeable, and I mean, people by regular people get knowledgeable about, like, wait, what is a writer making in Hollywood? And how much are the CEOs making? And that becomes, like, a talking point. And then... Worse yet, it gets into subscription numbers and people are like, you know what? I'm not going to support subscriptions, you know, companies that don't pay. That starts happening. That will be the turning point of of it all. That's when people are like, all right, let's come back to the table. Let's let's get this going again because it's starting to affect a lot of uh, other things. But to your family point, like we'll get to September. Like, because I I agree with you. I feel that the strike is going to go on through summer and I could be wrong but just based on how far apart they are in those negotiations like yeah this is what a summer will look like but come September when our family members are like where's my show if they haven't peaked if you know if we haven't peaked their interest between now and then come September when they're expecting Abbott Elementary Grey's Anatomy or whatever it is they're expecting doesn't come back and they they look look down and be like oh that's when You'll hear. Yeah. You'll start hearing a lot of noise. Or, 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 or worse yet, where's my Emmys? <laughs> yes, I mean, like wants to know where their Emmys are. <laughs> they want to know where their Emmys are, man. <laughs> and and it, and by the way, it would also it, I would get even angrier because I'm like in the year that we're very likely, as my predictions of you know I feel that we're gonna have the second black woman ever win lead actress comedy, and we not have a Emmy ceremony to watch that happen in real time. I'm going to scorch the earth. It's going to be over. I'm going to be so upset. And then, and then a lot of those things, again, depends how long this goes on. If we're all wrapped up by end of August, great. But if we get into Emmy season and then some historic things happen and we have to do this in a press conference, well, uh, that's going to hurt. Yeah, let's let's not go too deep into September because that is so long <laughs> away. So uh, so much can happen. Hopefully, can uh, you know there are certain issues that you know y- you still think 
there's opportunities to iron out, uh, you know, the, the guarantees in sizes of writers rooms, you know, how many writers, uh, you know, uh, are, uh, required for, for shows for, for writers rooms, you know, the, some of these nitty gritty issues, I think can be worked out and obviously will be, I mean, the strike's not going to last for the rest of our lives. Uh, you know, there will be a compromise at some point. So it's just hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, because you're right. Uh, you know, we all remember the Golden Globes in 2008 when, because of the writer's strike, there was no Globes. There instead yeah. was a press conference. Or Zag. Uh, which or ironically Zag. was not the most embarrassing Golden Globes <laughs> ever. That came this year. <laughs> so, um, no, there was a SAG because they got a waiver. So. Oh, it was right before, because uh, they got it together right before SAG, well, yeah, SAG and Oscar. Know, I think that was it. Oscars, uh, they had uh, yeah. struck a deal. SAG because it's a fellow union. They were able to fellow guild. Uh, they were they were able to give them yeah, a waiver exception. since since SAG after was supporting the strike, and so they're able to continue. Uh, same with the Grammys. Uh, but last time uh, an Emmy, besides pandemic, take pandemic out of the picture because obviously we've we've gone through several years now of having to pivot. You know, a lot of these shows just went through a well. We don't have an audience. We don't have actors, etc. Uh, but you have to go back to 1980 when there was an acting, a SAG strike, where the Emmys ended up still going forward. I, I'm curious how that happened. I guess back in the day, people watched award shows regardless of whether or not there were stars, because there was still an Emmys in 1980, but only one nominee actually showed up. Powers Booth <laughs> was the only winner who of showed up did. that year <laughs> and collected his Emmy. Everyone else. Also, there were three channels then, so that yeah. also helped so a people lot. Still watched, watch. They watched an Emmys <laughs> where it was just executives and producers. <laughs> That must have been the worst Emmys ever. I have to go back and find. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking right now because, like, like, now I'm curious. We, we need to Just... watch that and see what that Emmys was because that and Powers Booth went up and accepted his award and said, "I'm probably going to be killed for this," but um, <laughs> oh, he still managed to have a career after that. But um, but that must have been an interesting year. I don't know this year how you go forward with an Emmys, but again, that's a long ways away. More immediately. What's happening is the big debate over FYC events. Now, we've already seen a couple of events canceled because uh, the, the, the marquee talent involved are also writers. So John Mulaney and his Netflix special. Well, clearly, you can't do that without John Mulaney. Uh, same with uh, John Stewart with his Apple TV show. If he's like, I'm not going to show up, then you can't really have the event. I guess you could. You just screen an episode and then feed the 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 talent but out of respect for uh john mulaney and john uh, john stewart not wanting to be a part of this they've canceled those events those are the only it's two major interesting, events it's interesting um because it also kind of puts you in the headspace of where the studios and streamers were when they were sending out these invites i mean they were making these plans pretty actively knowing that a strike could be coming i mean i got maybe there were some sent out earlier i got my invite to the john mulaney um john stewart event on monday the last day of negotiations and then tuesday night was when john mulaney tweeted from his personal account like hey i'm not doing this i stand with my guilt so it's interesting kind of seeing the way that all of the um the members of the amptp have been kind of conducting and sort of going through business as if there wasn't going to be a strike when by by monday it seemed pretty clear that everyone kind of felt that there would be one well you know it's it's interesting it's i'm glad you brought that up salome because i i found it very interesting this entire town even though we knew it was coming and we all were at least on the press side 
preparing, writing stories, talking about it. It did feel that when you talk to the average person on the street, even in the industry, it was in the back of their head, but they weren't thinking about it. I, I found like even last week, a lot of people are like, hey, so what's going on? What's the latest? And I'm like, well, you know, uh, we're just bracing for a week from now. And they're like, what? what? What's a week from now? I'm like, well, mm-hmm. the strike. There, there very likely will be a strike. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, it just wasn't in their minds. So on Monday night, right as the strike was being called, I was at the Apple TV opening night for their FYC space. And it was Ted Lasso. And... Uh, you know, they did a panel, Jason Sudeikis, Brett Goldstein, who are writers, uh, Brendan, uh, Brendan Hunt, who's also a writer, uh, all on stage. And uh, the, the writers were mentioned a couple of times. There was a couple of like brief, like sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, shout out to the writers, respect to the writers. But there wasn't really no one talked about the strike. And, uh, you know, even after it was called literally during their panel. So afterwards, I was talking to some folks there and and everyone was sort of like, yeah, I guess we're not going to work tomorrow. But they, <laughs> they, you know, because uh, a number of them uh, who also work on other shows had been working that day. And mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, it was business as usual that day in these writers rooms. And then suddenly just stopped. It's been mind boggling how out of the loop so many people like and i'm not saying like I'm not saying that as an insult to them but like i think our assumption is like you work in the industry like you should know like what's well, about to happen and everyone just seemed like completely blindsided by so many things over the past like few weeks the people is there are people who don't know that sag and dga are also coming up they're like oh they're they're gonna have to uh negotiate too i'm like yeah everyone is in this like little two month cycle go ahead jess No, I was going to say, I think that's a testament, though, to the optimism. I think so many people are optimistic because the writers that I spoke to were like, or people in our industry, they're like, you know, nobody wants this. We've just come out of the, not out of the pandemic, but, you know, we're in whatever stage of, of survival we're at. And there was just this feeling of optimism and belief in in things right up to the last minute. So I think... So, you know, at your panel, like maybe people thought it wouldn't happen. And in the writer's room that day, there was that feeling of. Um, yeah, I, I, I also think it's a case of, uh, and this is kind of a tough comparison, but I think it's gleeful ignorance in the way that like George Floyd happened in the in the pandemic and people act like they were like, wait, like black people are killed every day by like police officers. And they're like, yeah. This happens like all the time, you know. Thanks for joining, There's also that. joining this. I, but I think a, a lot of it became like, oh, like writers are they, they can't like pay rent, but like, yeah, they can't, like, no, not at all. So, a lot of them can't. So, maybe we should do something about that. And I think you know, we are very like by human nature, just in our own bubbles, like that. By the way, uh, I looked it up here now about that 1980 ceremony, which now we do have to find this entire tape. 51 of the 52 acting nominees, all boycotted Powers Booth. One uh, going up there, acknowledging, saying, this is either the most courageous moment of my career or the stupidest. <laughs> and, and and funny enough, Lou Grant broke the Emmy record that year for the most nominations for a show with 14. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's the era we're in. 14 yeah. nominations broke the all-time Emmy record. It wasn't uh, wow. that's so funny because wasn't Ed Asner like the head of SAG at one point? He may have even been the head oh. of SAG while that was going on. Yeah, so. yeah. 
and it was hosted by Steve Allen and Dick Clark that ceremony also. So I would I would really like to see. We're gonna find it. Taxi won best comedy series. Wow. Like I, how many people watched that? Like, what did they watch? What was that cause, show? Because there weren't Nielsen ratings like that then, right? Like, do, well, sure they were. Sure they were. You, you, were you should have a pretty accurate uh, account of. I mean, I guess if you just show a lot of clips, then Bunch but, of clips. but still. Yeah. And Ed Asner won uh, the Emmy that year too. Yeah. So, well, as we speak, uh, you know, so far the MTV Movie and TV Awards are continuing this weekend. They're happening on Sunday. They've announced... how? Oh, I have a question. How? Yeah. Because again, this is my ignorance. I don't know how they are going on because I don't know if it's an exception or they just were well. Like, oh. I mean, it's it's now up to the actors. Are are they uh, a? Does it do they see that as crossing a picket line or not? Or is it an award show honoring? the best of TV and film of the year and has nothing to do with the WGA and it's just an opportunity to celebrate. I, I don't know. I think some people will feel that way. Some people will feel like, no, we, we're crossing a picket line. So, so they may lose some people, but what, but what about the writers for the actual show itself? Well, it was already written, I guess, like, I guess, I guess probably most of it was already written. They did a lot of pre-tapes and mm. I, I guess then there's just a script and it just stays the script. And then it's up to host Drew Barrymore to ad lib and to add her own uh, changes if she wants. But it, it's the house of the dragon of award shows. That's what it is. It's already done. <laughs> Script's already written. It's ready to go. Yeah, we should going. we should talk about and break down what that that phrase already written means because I think that it means something different to to people in the business than it does to people at home. Like already think, written is 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 never really the truth. Um, because as we've been discussing a lot in our newsroom, is like we need to emphasize to our readers as we talk about shows like House of the Dragon that have already handed in all, all their strips and can now allegedly continue production. The thing is that these scripts, especially for something like an awards show that's often comedy based, scripts are getting rewritten and redone and jokes are being added up until the very last minute, especially according to the news um, and what's happening in the world that people people might want to comment on on stage. Um, So it's very interesting that, yeah, that the MTV Awards are going to continue because, first of all, there's so much news to address based on the strike itself that now there's nobody to help write and add. And Drew Barrymore, I think, is somebody that we reported that like her show will not be able to continue for much longer. So what's she well, going to say on stage yeah. about the strike? Well, her show, yeah. her show already went on hiatus for for the year, so so yeah. that that won't be impacted. But yeah, I mean, it's just going to have to come out of her head, uh, you know. Yeah. And and which which is sort of going back to how things were handled in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Uh, because if you look at the talk shows, uh, it was a different time. You had David Letterman owned his own show, so he was able to strike a side deal. Uh, was he the only? The by the way, was he, he was, the only? Was yeah, he the he, last one to own yeah, his own show? Yeah. So, but he was able to seal a uh, a separate deal with the uh, WGA, which allowed him to go back on the air. Uh, but then that triggered a little bit of a domino effect because Jay Leno, uh, being a competitive guy, <laughs> decided he was going to go back on the air by himself without writers. Uh, but then tell jokes that basically he wrote, uh, you know, he got into some hot water. I mean, he was criticized for going back on and claiming that he was just making it up as, as he was going, he was riffing, but you know, clearly he was still right. Wouldn't be his, uh, his, his worst (laughs) career move (laughs) that he would make in that decade. (laughs) But so, but, but it kind of forced some of the other shows to also go back on the air and, uh, you know, people were kind of put in awkward positions uh it's different this time because all the talk shows are 
owned by the networks and studios. And so clearly they won't be coming back anytime soon. But there was a lot of debate in 0708 because a lot of showrunners went back to sets under the, the hat of being a producer, but they soon realized that it was tough to really separate your producing duties from your writing duties and uh, very controversial. So I think a lot was learned during that strike uh, that people are like really aiming not to repeat this time around. So that's why I think you're going to see a lot more production shut down a lot quicker when they realize that, yeah, we can't go forward, even if we do have a completed script. Some shows will go forward. Maybe they won't be the greatest episodes because they won't have those uh, changes and uh, they'll just go, uh, you know, as the you know the the last page that was written on uh, May first uh, without any changes, and that that show might suffer then because of no revisions or changes. Yeah. But I think soon enough, shows will realize uh, we can't go forward. Uh, to to encapsulate uh, Salome's thought for my mom, brothers, and sisters that are listening, uh, no, you don't just go to set and scripts are done, and you you have to just do that. Like it happens on on the fly, and Imagine if everyone just went with the script that it was before they got to set. There, there would be a lot of um, errors in <laughs> in like lineages of shows. Do you remember yeah. uh, the famous uh, Joey uh, Friends episode? He broke his arm on set, and they had a like uh, uh, one of the episodes of Friends. Matt LeBlanc, he really broke his arm on set, and then had to they had to, like re- they had to work the script so he had a broken arm in the next like few episodes. So it happens like all the time. Well, if you if you go to a live action taping, which granted there aren't many anymore, but there <laughs> still like, are. Where? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, old Where man Mike go? is coming back. Back there in the day, couple. kids. But... Lopez call, versus Lopez is live. Call, call me cat. I think there it's are live. a couple others. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the, I think call me cat is. Like... I would like to go to one. I've never been to one before. I would really like to go to one. If you go to one, Jimmy Burroughs, if he's directing, go to that one because Jimmy Burroughs is famous for like moving things along. You'll actually be out at a decent time. <laughs> Some shows, though, if you don't have like anyone sort of feeling the effort to move fast, it might continue taping until like midnight. So that's a sidebar. But mm-hmm. but what I'm what I'm uh, you know why I mention that is because on those shows in particular, you see uh, you know the writers huddle after every take and they'll always do a second pass at a joke or change things yeah. up and punch it up and and so that the final joke is funnier because they you know they react to the audience they they really yeah. do see okay what worked what didn't work and they're changing it that night so you can't do that you can't <laughs> you, you can't do that without writers so yeah. clearly those kind of shows wouldn't be able and, to continue. and also just as a quick sidebar just because I noticed, I'm sure everyone else did, when we had the whole story that late night goes dark, I just saw four dudes there because there are no women late night people anymore. Just wanted to point that out once again. Yeah. We have no or, women late or night. Or white, white dudes. We should four white dudes are in late night and that's it. And in it's 20, like, I, 23. I cannot believe like we barrel towards this moment of like, like yeah. Oh, no I'm Samantha still, B, no Z-Way, I'm no still by the way. I feel like we we haven't given them enough grief. I'm still pissed off about Samantha B being fired. I'm still pissed off about Jesus and Mero not figuring out a way to keep it together. Guys, come on, yeah. guys. You had a good thing going. Like get and your by, shit and together. By the way, and by the way, Jesus and Mero not eligible for the Emmys because they had too few episodes uh yeah. this year. Yeah. Like there's like this whole no man's land. It's 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 just sad. Uh, Amber Ruffin also can't submit for series because she had too few episodes so like like so the women the few women that we kind of had that could do something 
can't actually even compete, period. Yeah. Ugh. Terrible. So much more right. than that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so to wrap up, right, uh, writers, strike ended uh, by the time you're listening to this, right? It was all, it all ended and it's over. Uh-oh. They got it together. How mad would how mad how mad would I, like? Well, first of all, we ripped we, just last week. We had said, Mike, our first week back, we ripped up a cover our first week back. Good, it never happen again. And then we did it again this week. It's our new thing. That's variety. what we do now. But this variety. was a shorter window, by the way. I will have to say, like, because that cover last week, the Jeff Shell one was ripped up on the Sunday, right? Oh, and this one was ripped up on a Monday. So oh my, on a Monday. Hour. <laughs> but but I think there was this one felt a little more planned because we were like, eh, there's a chance this could happen. Jeff Shell, we had I hadn't said the name Jeff Shell in a very long time. So when it happened, it was like, oh, we have to yeah. do something. Yeah. Two very different stories, two very different reasons to uh rip things up. But by the way, NBC Universal, they just saved a lot of money on firing Jeff Shell. They don't even have to pay him out. So maybe that money can go and not, toward and not, oh, the writers. We just solved it all. So we we often do that on this podcast. So let me usually come here more often. We we have it's solved a so many solving podcasts. Yeah. We do it in seconds. And I'm like, you guys can pay us so much less and we will solve all your problems. Maybe we should rename this podcast Variety Solves the Industry. I mean, that'll be it'll be the greatest like, thing ever. It's <laughs> like, a spin-off. And done. Yeah. Well, um, so what we got coming up? Anything? Like no? Like I don't know. What are we, what are we even talking about? What do we look forward to? We got, we got, we got stuff coming up, but I think maybe we should leave it here because there's still so many unknowns. We're going to be talking about this uh, for for I'm sure many weeks to come, including how this impacts uh, Emmy campaigning. Uh, right now, no one really knows for sure. I think by next week we're going to have a, a little more clarity in what's considered uh, verboten by the WGA versus what still may be allowed. Uh, you know, uh, including uh, the, 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 you know, how much do they interact uh, with press when it comes to campaign mm. versus, yep. you know, the studios and networks are doing one thing, but we're sort of a neutral party here. So we'll see, you know, how that can continue and, and move on as we continue to cover this race uh, as things change dramatically. Um, been an interesting last couple of years, I gotta say. Covering this business is, uh, you know, an ever changing business. What a time to get into this game. As Norman, <laughs> as Norman Lear looks over you right now, <laughs> they should bring him into the room. But she would solve it in seconds. I was thinking, like, I, I is is uh, you know, Norman Lear like hitting the pickets. Uh, you know, will he be out there? Like, no, I can't have but, him in danger. Yeah, no, we don't do be. But but you but you should phone him into a meeting though for sure. And just we'll zoom, like, we'll zoom him in. Yeah, see what he says. Yeah. Well, God bless Norman Lear. God bless us all. Good luck to everyone. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 After the break, Party Down stars Ken Marino and Adam Scott. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. The revival of the star's comedy Party Down picks up 10 years after the series' last episode with cast members Adam Scott, Ken Marino, Jane Lynch, Martin Starr, Ryan Hansen, and Megan Mullally all returning. 
Joining the group are series newcomers Jennifer Garner, Tyrell Jackson-Williams, and Zoe Chow. The six-episode season reveals that for many of the show's characters, not much has changed. Hello, party down catering. Yes, of course we're open for business. I just need your event info, and I will help you get the party started. This is an important event. No personal business on company. Ah, group photo. Okay, get the whole gang. Weren't we the gang and you were more management? Now it's a party down reunion. Um, just yes. what everyone's dying for. <laughs> this is a big opportunity. I want high professional service. This is not how I envisioned my 40s. Uh, oh, no! Are you okay? You know, I have some silver for gravitas. I meant your hand. Oh. Remember what we're not going to rock? Your body. The boat, Henry. The boat. It must be so fun to be back slinging derves with the old gang. <laughs> no. No, it sucks. The first two seasons of Party Down premiered on Stars in 2009 and 2010. Scott plays Henry, a sardonic failed actor who's now a teacher, but working on the side with Party Down to help pay for his alimony. Marino plays Ron, the slightly clueless manager who's now fully running the operation, well, out of his van. I recently sat down with Scott and Marino to talk about the revival, including whether we'll get more episodes beyond this bonus six. But we also went in several directions with our conversation, including Marino's side project in music. The story behind how these two pals met? Scoop on the new season of Scott's current series, Severance. Spoiler alert, there is actually no scoop, but don't tell anyone. And so much more. We just jumped right in as soon as the two actors realized that I was already recording our conversation. Wait a second. So you're rolling. We're in. <laughs> are, we, are we starting the show? We are jumping right oh, in. Oh, great. Jesus. Okay. All right. Let me put my pants back on. <laughs> Where'd they go? Here, they're right here. Here Thank you go. Thank you so much. And zip. <laughs> that was Ken Zipper. Now the joke's on everybody who's listening because it's Buttonfly. That's a Buttonfly <laughs> right. gene. He's a Foley artist now, too. So. <laughs> Those are the buttons. So you guys are uh, – so Adam, you're just in town for like minutes. Yes. Just to sort of do some quick – party down promotion yeah. in the middle of still shooting severance shooting or? severance yes indeed and how far along are you how's it going we are uh deep in it and it's going great um we're, uh, we're uh, a little past a little bit past the halfway mark quite a bit past the halfway mark at this point yeah and so it's uh, yeah, it's going great. Yeah, and what ha- ha- what's the last episode like? What happens? Like, Do you want me to surprise? just map out the season <laughs> for you guys? Spoil it right now, sure. exactly. So you've got you do have the severance uh, mullet right now so that's how we can I tell. have the severance haircut which I love endlessly. Can't get enough of it. Yeah. Oh, it, lo- it looks good. <laughs> In quotations <laughs> with a question mark. I think you look handsome. Oh, thank yeah, you can and young. Well, double thank you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and 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 uh, victorious, and victorious. <laughs> yeah, confident. You look confident. You look like a, yeah, a nice, uh, sh- uh, sh- um, uh, healthy skin. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you look healthy. You got a nice By the way, I, I haven't t- healthy, I haven't thanked glow. you in person for the thank you over text messaging, mm. if I remember correctly. But I haven't thanked you in person for the. Uh, the birthday 
song. Oh, the birthday song. Yeah, yeah. the middle-aged dad jam band yeah. uh, uh, sent you a birthday You guys are song. playing, uh, I saw some gigs coming We are doing some, we are doing some gigs, yeah. We're doing Ken's in a gigs. great band with David Wayne and several other people. David Wayne started a band in his garage because he wanted to play drums. So uh, I, I, more like to... to Keep up on his drum playing. This is true. This is yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's called the Wet Hot American Summers. <clears throat> no, it's called the Middle Aged Dad Jam Band. Yeah, and it's a bunch of middle aged dads, uh, or you know, some people are like, "You're not middle aged anymore," but you know, <laughs> middle age is just a number. Exactly. You know what I mean? And um, we, uh, you know, we do all sorts of uh, covers. Do you? What do you play? I sing songs. I sing the songs. Oh, you sing the songs. Ken's a, an incredible singer. So truly, what, what kind of songs? You know, we do all the, you know, uh, all the stuff that we grew up on. So stuff from the 70s and 80s and 90s, and we just sing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Now, give me an example. What's your hot song? Do a sample of what you sang to me, that song. Well, happy birthday? Yeah. I'm not going to sing that, but, it, you know, we you <laughs> that know. That classic happy birthday, happy from the 70s. Yeah, yeah, it's a really no, good song. Uh, the last show we did, we did San Francisco Comedy Festival. We did a, we did a show, and... Uh, Let's see. The first couple of songs were um, uh, "Bye Bye Love" by the Cars, mm-hmm. uh, and then into uh, "Long Train Running" uh, by the Doobie Brothers. Oh. And then we went right into um, "You'll Like This" all for Lena. We did all for Lena, and then we did um, "Escape" in Baker Street. We did "Sir Duke." We did. Uh, uh, we ended with um, "Born to Run." We did some Tom Petty in there. We did a lot, some a little bit more obscure stuff that from New Orleans that I like. We did uh, a Dr. John song called "Qualified." We did an Al Wilson song, uh, obscure song called "The Snake." It's a cautionary tale. So you're doing some deep cuts. We do some deep cuts. We do some stuff, uh, you know, that uh, that everybody knows and likes to bop around to. David did. Uh, oh shit! I wish I had it. He he sang a song. Which was I'm just I'm, uh, you know oh well it, it, is is, is this like should it. we talk about party down yeah it's not worth <laughs> we'll it. this there. was I I, we're, I we're put us on a cold flew sack. out here he flew yeah. out here for this yes we're getting there we're getting there but I'm now fascinated by this side project is it's this, really good they're, is this, they're is, awesome is this like a midlife the, crisis thing or it's just a I mean I guess I guess it can I guess you no. can define it as I don't know it's it's just uh, something you know we all I think all of us have some fantasy about being in a band, right? Like, that's the ultimate... But it, it's also... Just as a as a viewer of it, it's like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. They're, like, charismatic, hilarious people, and they know how to play instruments and sing, so you, watching them is super entertaining and fun because yeah. they're really good at that. And uh, so it's... it's I, I yeah. One of the things that I, we could, like, check off, or I could check off my bucket list was... Uh, uh, Weird Al came and jammed with oh, us one wow. day mm-hmm. and brought his uh, accordion. Yeah. Weird and, Al Yankovic? Uh, no, Weird Al uh, Brahamowitz. Oh, yeah, he's he's great guy. too, though. But he also yeah. plays uh, <laughs> accordion. accordion. Yeah, yeah. Um, not as well as Weird Al Yankovic, yeah. um, but uh, he came and he, you know, just played backup and then That's you know he amazing. would do just as he sang instead of. Uh, Yoda, he did the real kink song. He did Lola, and we were all like, "That sounds weird because you're just singing the yeah, right." The act- he's <laughs> doing the actual fantastic. song, and then he did Beat It, and uh, uh, no, and then he did then he did uh, We're an American Band, which was fun, and um, yeah, it was great. really cool to do. That's really amazing. So you you guys did something for Adam's birthday, and yeah, Happy Birthday. We sang song. a Happy Birthday song. We started off slow, and then uh, and then we brought it, uh, you know, brought it. Uh, uh, in hard, what, what's the expression? Kicked it into gear. Kicked it into gear. Yeah. yeah sure. No, we brought it in hard. No, you brought it. 
Yeah, brought it in hard. Uh, is that okay yeah. for the podcast? I, you can bleep we're that We're going to have to bleep out, that. Yeah, we're going to have to bleep brought that. Brought it in bleep. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I bring that up because, Adam, I know you were born in 1973. Yeah. I was also born in 1973. Oh, really? It's a big year. Yeah, have you uh, not had yet, your birthday not yet? Not yet. Yeah. So I'm staring down at it. How, sure. how are you doing with this this number? <laughs> I was, I'm fine. I, I you know, uh, it wasn't, I didn't, it was the you know, working on the show. So there didn't like make a big thing or didn't have, you know, the time really to, which is good. I think it's, you know, whenever I've spent my birthday on a job, it's great because you can just acknowledge it and then just keep busy and move on and not have to dwell. And so maybe I just haven't done that yet. Yeah. But at some point I'm probably going to have to sit down and really think about the fact yeah. that I'm 50 years old which is weird. Does yeah. that d- does that matter to you or is it is it just yeah. a age is nothing but a number? Uh I mean uh it does matter to me but I don't it's it's it, there's nothing you can do about it so I don't know what what I what, why waste time dwelling on it but it is strange. Everything about getting older is bizarre. And not what I thought it would be, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. But at the you, same time, I I wasn't joking. You you still look so young for for so very nice of you. But Ken, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I, you had mentioned to me a couple of years ago when you turned fifty, you were going to get a tramp stamp of the of the big five zero on your. Yeah, no, I did, did that, you do that, but I was I was on the set, and what, what I mean is, I was able to get the tramp stamp um, and keep working. Right. And not dwell on. Can it. I can I see it? Because I yeah, haven't yeah, seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh see? wow, it's great. And now just they had to write it into the season of Severance. As a yeah. matter of fact, it's so yeah. large. It's yeah. really big. It's huge. <laughs> it's like it's bigger. Like it goes. Uh, it's bigger than my body. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you can't even fit wardrobe around it. Yeah, it's but, hard to describe, but it's huge. But I saw it, and it's great. It looks great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so take me back to when you two first met. Where where and when? What do you well, remember? Okay, so I, this might be the one of the first times we met. No, I don't We met at some through Paul, yeah. and, right? And yeah. we met uh we I think we went to some costume parties back in the day. Yeah, Rob Thomas's Rob Thomas's uh, Halloween parties. But, but was that before Party that was before Party Down, yes. right? Yes, and then and then you came to my. I had bought that my, was like two thousand one, two thousand two, right? And then I had I had just bought my first like the my for a first time homeowner. Yes. I had no furniture in the place, yes. and you and Paul and Joe Latruglio came over yeah. and watched the Super Bowl. Yes, and I remember that. That was two thousand three Super Bowl. January two thousand three. Yes, yeah. and then and then Naomi was working at Kimmel. Kimmel, and after the Super Bowl, it was Jimmy Kimmel's first show. First show. We and drove down to the Kimmel show for that's that right. first show. Yes, oh, that's the you? first time we really like hung out. Yeah, was Super the, Bowl at Sunday the, at the well. The, I was doing. I did a bit with you, you and Paul, uh, and and. Paul, this is Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, yeah, with this costume party where I kept driving past you in yes. the car. Yes, that's I did right. Did that a bunch right. of times. I that's remember right. that. That's right. And I remember at at <laughs> at the costume party being it was a, a Halloween party and being 
this is like 2002, something like that, being very, just very drunk and tell, telling you coming up and just telling you over and over, I keep wanting to call you uh, Dan Marino <laughs> instead <laughs> of Ken Marino. Yeah. And you were like, yeah. 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 And I was like, you know, because of the foot, the football <laughs> yeah. player. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I know, know. I know, I know who that is. I mean, and I know like, of the guy. It's crazy. I keep wanting to do that. Like and I that, kept that's my telling dad. you. Yeah. 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 So anyway. But we, uh, but we moved past that. We got We did. We were that. able to. <laughs> uh, but you guys were both at that first Kimmel show. Because funny, yeah. I, was, I was there too, actually. Oh, you were? At, at, uh, with Coldplay out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollywood Warren Boulevard Sapp was flown in, right? And Clooney. Snoop. Snoop was, was the, the, the guest host. Like, no, he was the sidekick. Sidekick, yeah, the guest sidekick. And then Clooney was the yeah. first guest, yeah. yeah. And my wife, Naomi, was working there uh, and continued to work there for like five years after that. But then, uh, but yeah, that was, that, that was the first night we really hung out. And, and then I, they I, just had their 20-year anniversary, which was crazy. So that was... That's right. Yeah. And I, do, I don't want to... I mean, my, personally... The, my personal Barry the Lead here uh, headline is uh, I met my wife. That that's night. right. Did you really? At Kimmel, yeah. That's at, right. At that premiere show? At that premiere show. And How? then uh, what's, we what's... started dating. Uh, you know, I met her and we hung out that night. And then uh, we watched Coldplay together. We sat on the front little steps there because they, uh, they played on Hollywood Boulevard. I remember that. We were right there. They were playing like right yep. right there. Um, did you guys go to the, like any of the, the – to the 20th – that would have been something you and you guys should have done is go we, to the twentieth anniversary. We did not. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a number of years later, when we had our first child, Paul was on promoting. I think the ten or something uh-huh. that we had done together, and one of his stories on the couch was uh, that you know he was at we were all yeah, at yeah, my yeah, place yeah. and yeah. and I met my wife there, and so then they and then the bit was they cut to us backstage and I had. Um, Riley strapped to me in a baby Bjorn, and Eric and I were just in a heated argument. <laughs> That's great. Like when they cut to us, and yeah. and 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 then she, she throws a drink in my face, or I, th- I like I or like something happens, yeah. and then throughout the show they kept cutting to us, just still arguing. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's so funny. So, uh, uh, so so um, so you guys met back then and you'd even already been hanging out at rob thomas's and so was it kind of i mean it all sort of came together when party down first happened because of these relationships yeah that was like six years later or something rob uh had this script uh, rob and dan and john and paul had written the script years before had tried to sell it then they came to us rob veronica mars got canceled so rob was like i want to just make the pilot so we he got Ken, uh, me, Jane Lynch, Ryan Hansen, and uh, and then there were some people in other roles, like Andrea Savage Andrew was playing Savage, Lizzie's yeah. role, um, and we just made a homemade pilot in Rob's backyard, and it w- and then it wasn't like a year, two years later, year and a half, two years later that stars picked it up, but that first kind of homemade pilot, which I, by the way, have not I've seen, I've never seen. I saw it. I remember he well, had a screening a like back then, but yeah. I haven't seen it since. Um, so, so yeah, that's what we just made this homemade thing, and then Stars was interested, picked it up, and uh, and that's that's where that's where uh, that's where what how it started, and then history from there. Yes. So, 
No, that's that's kind kind of wild. I mean, you guys had both also guest starred on Veronica. Well, you you were more than guest star, but like uh, you guys had been working with Rob on Veronica Mars and and had done other things with him as well. So yeah. that's kind of like a little bit of a like a friendship slash yeah. repertory company thing happening. Well, that's too. how I found out about the script. I was talking to Dan Etheridge about they had shopped that script around. Mm-hmm. And sold it to HBO. I don't know exactly how the story goes, yeah. but they, uh, but um, uh, he was telling me a story about it, and I was like, "Oh, can I read it?" Because I was just sitting around on set, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah." And he gave me a, a copy of it, and I read it, and I was, <laughs> I really thought Ron's character, the character of Ron, was really funny, and so I went back to Dan. I was like, "Listen, if you ever do wind up." doing something with this can i audition for ron because um i love it and uh and then the next thing i remember is like you and i went out to lunch at the 101 cafe yeah, that's right. with dan or D- uh, rob dan and or john? john i think i think it was dan and john and we were just talking about uh doing it because veronica mara's didn't get picked up, and then Rob was like, "Well, screw this! I'm gonna shoot something in my backyard." Is that how? No, the the lunch was later on when Stars had picked it up before we started the sh- the actual show. Oh, that's that's when, it was? when we, yeah. But did we meet, or did we just come? Like, did I just see you like that first day at, at, in the in, at in the 2007 version in the in the original backyard? Version. I think so. I think we just like went and did it and. It was super fun, but I don't think we like met before that. I think that that lunch was like, okay, we're actually doing this. We've got ten of these to right, do. Right, right. Like, let's chat a little bit before we start. It's all a blur. Yeah, for me, it's a long time ago. It's a lot very old. Lots happened since then. You know, it's funny when I was looking at uh, recent uh, press about the show and you guys. You both are kings according to different stories. So, oh. first off, according to I think what is this? obsessed oh no it's the daily beast ken marino is the king of the cult hit comedy wow and then i've always liked the daily beast (laughs) and then according they really have a great take on stuff (laughs) and then according to slate adam scott is tv's king of dead-end jobs that's a dubious honor but i'll take it (laughs) so yeah slate is is good but like Daily Beast. Daily Beast. Daily Beast. Yeah. <laughs> so. I've always thought that, but then I sit and I think, well, Daily Beast is good, but Slay. Now we're talking. They know what they're talking <laughs> yes, about. Yes, yes. Uh, so I'm with royalty here. Um, but Should I take off my crown? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you see things like that, um, is is there a... Is there ever, do you think about through lines to your careers, the kind of roles that you're playing, the kind of roles that you're offered? Um, are you, or do you look at that and say, ah, that's, that's clever, that's cute, but that's not really my career? Uh, I mean, I, if I understand the question, um, I, 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 all, the way I can answer that is that no, no, I don't. I don't look at um, the types of characters I play, other than oh my gosh, I've played a certain type of character one, two, three times in a row, or a version of that. I need to kind of do something slightly different, you know, uh, just for my own sanity. Um, but I feel like 
throughout my career, and I feel like you, you you've had this, um, where like when I was younger, you know, I played and I, I was in a sketch comedy group, and then I came to L.A. to see if I can get work, and yeah, I yeah. Well, the the state was your big sort of breakthrough, right? That was well, I don't know if it was breakthrough. I don't know how many people watch it, but it was my first job. It was. I was one of them. Yeah, it was. A, it was a. I mean, when they speak of. Yeah, TV's it cult. cult. It, was a, it was a culty. Yeah. You're the king of the cult. Most, of, most of the shit I do is culty. Um, but, uh, you know, when I came out here, the first thing that started to happen was I was the uh, nice guy boyfriend in sitcoms. Yeah. And I would do that. I did that for a while. Um, and if I was a guest on a show, I was the nice guy boyfriend who had some sort of ailment or some sort of secret that uh, ultimately the girl would be like, mm, I can't be with you. Yeah. yeah. Or if I was the. Uh, if I was a regular on it, I'd be the nice guy boyfriend who she just doesn't realize that I'm right there for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, that started to get real tedious. And then Veronica Mars came around and Wet Hot America came around. And like, like I started doing stuff like that where I got to play sort of more heightened characters or more ridiculous characters. I can kind of lean into that. And because of the state... Um, I enjoyed that. I I, I I craved that, and so that was fun for me. That to to kind of turn that corner. I feel like when you were playing nice guy boyfriends back in your day, you also uh, got to do when you could like assholes, right? You were really good. Yeah, at, yeah, and right? I yeah, and I think that part of why kind of party down ended up sort of clicking. I remember when we got together and started working together talking about past experience we'd already both been at it for i'd been here since 93 trying to get something going you shortly after that uh and started in new york and had the state and all this we both had this like history of trying to ignite this thing and get this thing going and i felt like we had both we had some history and been through the ringer a little bit yeah i remember we could share that yes and that was and then that also reverberated through the whole cast. It's part of those characters and us all relating directly to their predicament. We've all been in show business for a minute, meaning <laughs> for a while, and all felt a little like just a little used up and spit out a little bit. For sure. But, but still looking at the horizon being like, there's got to be some – maybe this is it, probably not – but let's have fun while we're here. And then slowly being like, this is really special. This is maybe the best thing I've ever been a part of. Yep. But I still don't really, none of us really thought anyone was ever going to watch it. And then we realized we didn't care. This is worth doing just for each other and ourselves. And let's make it as best, as, as great as we can and we think it's better than everything else. Like it was this really special uh, uh, bonded gang mentality in a sense. Um, but I think that's early on what really uh, really bonded me to, yes. to Ken and it w- connected us. Is For sure. We, I remember you had all these stories about that early sitcom you were on. And I remember just being <laughs> like, fuck, man. It's, showbiz is fucking hard. Yeah. 
It's hard. It yeah. makes you feel bad. And now we have somewhere to put those feelings and it's party down. And, uh, and John's writing was brilliant and really kind of channeled those feelings yeah. perfectly. What was that sitcom? Uh, I won't say what the sitcom was, but I'll say that the, 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 some of the experiences I've had early on were environments that were not, uh, conducive to like creative collaboration and, and, uh, support, you know, the actors supporting each other, which, I, which I did have off on the state. And I assumed that that's what was, that's what, how it always worked. That was naive of me. Um, and it was, so, a, it's a horror show. Yeah. And so, so, so when I, so when we met, when Adam and I met and we started working on party down, um, I had enough, uh, uh, knowledge and history in my head to be like I'm, and I made a decision after some of the early stuff to be like the most important thing is to work with people that are good human beings and super, you know, like talented people, but are also like just really good collaborative people and and good people. And I was lucky enough to get to work with Adam because uh, Adam, I've told Adam this many times, I adore him and I love spending time with him and I love working with him because I also think that he's uh, just one of my, hands down, one of my favorite actors. And so to get to, to work with him and then to work with Jane and to work with Ryan and and Martin and and like and 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 Megan and like you know the, the and Lizzie you know there was all these wonderful people who were very collaborative and very kind and 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 sarcastic and funny and we can you know and I was like oh I found my home I found or I found a home you know yeah no it felt like I mean it feels in in hindsight now very much a crossroads show for for the both of you like things really I mean from that point on it seems like everything that the both of you did was just elevated mm-hmm. and and just really quality mm-hmm. like uh, and and do you look back now at that as as a moment where things went in a certain direction for your careers yeah i mean i think that when you have an experience like that you're sort of chasing that for the rest of i hadn't had uh i hadn't had an experience like that before um and so you are um so, sort of looking f- for that again for the rest of your, that special feeling. It's rare, um, uh, but it also sets a new standard for yourself. Like, oh, this is good. This is what th- – th- th- not only this is what I should be doing, but this is what I deserve. Mm-hmm. I can contribute to something that's really good. Um, and it's so easy to sell yourself short after being kind of swatted down for 15 or so years in showbiz to sort of, um, start believing that you don't deserve quality things. You should take whatever, whatever you can get. And, uh, and so, so anyway, it, it certainly did that for me. It certainly showed me that, uh, that I should be seeking out things that make me feel good, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think that it, for for me, just off of what you were saying, is like also it, it also, and I may have said this already, it also taught me that I can help control or guide the 
vibe of a show and a set mm-hmm. and a group of people towards positivity and mm-hmm. like connection as opposed to um uh, you know the ugliness and and the kind of uh, shittiness that sometimes happens on a on a set yeah and 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 cut to now of course and and I know this is the the thing that you guys have been asked a lot in the revival of party down but just the fact that it happened is is so magical mm-hmm. in a way and pretty amazing right you're all so busy you're all so successful and there's so much going on the fact that you could make this work uh is is pretty astounding i mean you both have other series uh, you both have other things going on and everyone in your cast has other series and other things going on so um you know when you look back at now being able to do these additional six episodes and hopefully more right maybe yeah uh, we hope so fingers crossed um but you know what what are your thoughts on how you like are you just still in awe that you're able to come back years later and and reconnect and and do more of this series yeah i mean i think adam had a a lot to do with guiding this and making this happen you know with 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 john and 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 dan and um and and john dan and rob and 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 paul like what like they you know adam helped guide this and make this happen in a real way and I mean, it, I'm super thankful that that you did that because I think I think you recognize, and I, I I certainly recognize. I think everybody in that cast recognized how special it was, and to just kind of go back and to get to do some more, just as a just as a you know, just just to do it, just to be with this, these these people again creatively. You know, it's a, it's a real gift. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think uh, it was hard to believe it was actually happening, and and we had a bunch of COVID close calls where it almost didn't. We had like a case, and then another case, and if we had one more positive case come in, the whole thing was going to be canceled because we were going to run out of time with the cast. We had a six-week window with this particular group of people, and so finally when we were there, not only the 13 preceding years, but the specific situation in January of 22 of trying to get everyone together and COVID. Um, when we were finally on set, me and Ken started doing a a Ron Henry scene uh, where he's showing me his van. Mm. That was the first thing we shot. And I was like, I can't believe we're doing this. And there's John and Dan at the monitor and Ari doing script. script yeah, we had the same scripty. <laughs> it was great. And the same vibe, that's something that I love about the revival, is it looks and feels the same. It is not fancier. We got five days to shoot episodes instead of four. That's so the only. It's pretty fancy. It's pretty five, fancy. We got an yeah. extra day to shoot. Um, so it, it looks and feels like the same uh, show. And that's all due to Enbaum and his writing and him, as showrunner, kind of making sure it's the, the same. He wanted it to feel like this is season 15 of party down we've been making the show this whole right. time we we just the, all those seasons are just missing you know it's such a smart approach like yes. when you said that earlier today uh, as like yeah that's exactly what it feels like yeah and that's so it's such a cool because it makes like to approach writing this season like that it it, it just it 
makes complete sense and it you feel that yeah like, i also so have cool. to say i i really like it when you say that things i say are super smart and i'll be honest with you when you can when you recognize that you're getting compliments from me that makes me feel <laughs> seen you're welcome <laughs> thank you but yeah this season plays with time a lot anyway it's mm-hmm. like yeah every episode it could be you know like a month later or a couple weeks later and 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 so you're sort of feels like well this is you know just a continuation of what was going on anyway yeah but um you know what did what were your thoughts uh in terms of where you wanted your characters to be like you know ron basically is kind of in his same space henry sort of you know uh it's uh I, I don't know your thoughts that you know his his decision in the end not to run away with Jennifer Garner, yeah, and just yeah I and yeah I think that um, I think that the decision that that Henry ultimately makes was really important to to all of us that he makes a decision for himself and it's something that comes with age when you start seeing things for what they really are and making decisions that you know will will be better for you and and things that you that were once super important to you really like sitting back and being able to recognize that that's not what you're after anymore that's not important to you anymore what you thought was so important you're different things are different and he's found something that is important to him which is teaching these kids he makes him feel good and he it makes them feel good and he sees the value in that and decides that that's more important than going and chasing this thing that's going to just ultimately he doesn't trust that it's not going to lead to more heartbreak Mm -hmm. and self-destructive behavior and so he'd rather work at party down part-time to pay his alimony but teach those kids. And uh, is that something that you talked to John about, or is that something that he brought to you? Or it, how did that? Happen? Yeah, it's something early on that that we're just kind of when we were talking about that arc and where it kind of ends up. Um, it was something that w- we discussed kind of generally, and then Enbaum went and just got really specific with it, and and it was hard. It was a it's a it was a hard arc to uh, to to come up john really just crafted the whole thing we had these zooms for a few weeks where we just sort of talked about like where would all these characters be 13 years what happened over those 13 years and just had these big fun conversations and john took that mountain of chaotic information and went away and crafted this beautiful little he's real good isn't he yeah (laughs) but i also have to say that the great thing about this one of the things i've really enjoyed about this season and seeing the support stars gave it but also how how enthusiastic audiences were for it and seeing this kind of light shined on the show uh after all this time and 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 kind of got this attention from from uh just sort of culturally got this attention it was really nice but also seeing ken kind of get this this attention and recognition that he so so has deserved for in my opinion a really really long time and for this role in particular i remember we're making the show this season these six episodes and watching what ken was doing i couldn't believe how incredible it was and it's 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 almost as if because what he did is ron donald way back when was a uh a a, a master class in 
comedy. And I think that it's only gotten more masterful and incredible in the intervening years. And I'm it's it makes me so happy to to see this guy getting the attention that that he deserves. Well, uh I'm, I was looking at my phone. What did you say? <laughs> the, the, Thank you, Adam. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. The moment in the the final episode, of course, the the shellfish, uh, and and uh, the the when when you when you squat over that bucket and after <laughs> I think that was what I'm talking about. That... I, think, I think that was Zoe's first day, by the way. <laughs> yes, it was, and Jennifer Garner's first day. That was her walking in on you doing that. Jennifer Garner. We were all like, holy shit, fucking Jennifer Garner's going to be here. Yeah, I'm going to shit in a bucket. <laughs> She's like, what is this show? <laughs> but that that's that's on the Emmy reel, right? I mean, that that scene, that is that's the moment. The to me, the uh the why is this happening to me proclamation <laughs> while <laughs> sitting on the on the, on the pot. <laughs> May, may, that made me laugh. <laughs> no, it's 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 pretty pretty fantastic. Uh, I remember so- really early on when we were first making the show, talking about Ron Donald, and and being like, this guy, like Jesus Christ, this guy can't do anything right, <laughs> right? And Ken just being like, yeah, he's a dit to do. He's a dit to do. Yeah, he's a real dit to do. Like, yeah, that's what he is. He's a real dit to do. Um, yeah, that was yeah. Ron Ron can't get out from under that gigantic cloud that is uh, just hanging over his head. How would you compare him to Streeter? <laughs> um, you know, they there's a, they have similar DNA. Um, Ron Ron is I think has a lot more um, the sadness to him than Streeter. Streeter's needy. Ron is um, just tragic. I yeah. think and. Um, so you know they they certainly um, would hang out together, but um, I, yeah, I think you know they're. Um, I think Ron is a much more tragic character than yeah. than, than Streeter. Street is just a little needy. He's a little smarter. He's smarter than Ron. Yeah, <laughs> at times. Um, but but Ron is. Um, just a tragic mess. Yeah, no, I, I I think you're right. So so it so it sounds like there's hope for more episodes. I mean, what is the conversation? We hope so. We really. I I I don't know anything, and, and I, I, I I none of us do. And but we would all love to. And Stars has been incredible this entire time. They really stepped up. I mean, this is a small show, and and um and and they've really done a great job and have been. They were super great when we were making the show too. It was really terrific. yeah. They were super supportive yeah. and they were so behind it. And there was a lot of um, push for it and a lot of press for it. So and we should say Karen Bailey too at Stars. She was at Stars back in the day when we made the first show. She's still there. She's the the, the she's been our champion this entire thirteen years. Yeah. And so we really owe a lot to her. Well, fingers crossed on that. And uh, that that other little show that you're involved with, Adam, what's yeah. uh, what's the timing? What uh, what can you tell us in terms of when we're going to see more Severance? I'm not sure, uh, but uh, but sooner rather than later, hopefully. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait till I can talk about it because there's so much cool stuff that tell happens. Us, tell us. You know what? I'll just tell you. <laughs> uh, give give us an yeah. adjective. An what? adjective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How would you describe season two? Uh, um, uh, I would say um, soupy. 
No, that doesn't make any sense, and that's not accurate. That's Party Down stars Adam Scott and Ken Marino. Catch up on the new season via Stars On Demand or the Stars app. That's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.